Welcome, and thank you for joining us again for another study in the book of Daniel. You know, God does answer prayer. We stream these programs on Daniel, these Bible studies, on a uh, system called uh, Restream. And Restream streams the programs to YouTube and to Facebook. Well, Restream servers were down. We clicked on, couldn't get on. And we got together with our team. There's three of us. Uh, Matt Gray is our media director. George Washington Deverage uh, is one of our media uh, directors as well. And he's responsible for this restream. So we were seeing, what can we do? Well, we don't want to disappoint our audience. We know God has a special message for tonight. And we just prayed and prayed that the Lord would miraculously get us back on restream so we could stream this program. We were looking at other platforms, including Zoom and so forth. And uh, three minutes before the program was to go on the air at 7.57 Eastern time, Restream came back on and George said, Restream's back on. And so here we are with you. We know God is a special blessing tonight. You know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. The devil's doing everything he can, of course, to interrupt at times. But our God is more mighty. Well, welcome to Daniel chapter 6. We'll study it tonight verse by verse. But before we do that, if you have any questions, we want to put up uh, where you can send your questions at info at hopelives365.com. That's info at hopelives365.com. Any questions, you know, if you have questions on the book of Daniel or even questions on the Bible, feel free to write us your questions at info at hopelives365.com. If you'd like the study guides for this series, we have a study guide each evening. You can go hopelives365.com forward slash weekly Bible study. That's hopelives365.com forward slash Bible study. Let's pray and then jump right into the book of Daniel tonight. Father in heaven, how we thank you that we can open the word of God, and in this secular age, an age of materialism and godlessness, we're thankful that the word of God still speaks. We're thankful that the message from the word of God never gets old. So speak to us through your word tonight, we pray thee, as we open our hearts to receive your blessing, and we know you have a special blessing for us tonight. I pray that you touch each one that's watching through your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's summarize the first five chapters of the book of Daniel. Where have we come from so far? Well, in Daniel chapter one, we studied about a God that reveal, that God that turns defeat into victory. Daniel's taken captive. He purposes in his heart to serve God. And he comes out 10 times better in wisdom than all those in the Babylonian realm. God turns defeat into victory, turns our sorrows into joy. You can do nothing against the truth, 2 Corinthians tells us, but for the truth. So the devil tries to attack, to destroy, to distort, but Jesus is more powerful. Daniel 1, God who turns defeat into victory. Daniel chapter 2, that great dream of the image with the head of gold, breasts and arms of silver, thighs of brass, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay. A great rock smites the image. God's kingdom is set up. Daniel 2 reveals the God who's the true prophet, the God who can tell the future. There is none like him 
who can tell the end from the beginning. And if God can tell the future nations, your life as well is in his hands. And then Daniel chapter 3, the story of the king's image. Daniel 2 is God's image. Daniel 3 is the king's image, this image of all of gold, where King wanted King Nebuchadnezzar wanted Babylon to last forever. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go into the fiery furnace. Jesus delivers them. So Daniel 3 is the story of the God who delivers. Daniel 1, the God who turns defeat into victory. Daniel 2, the God who reveals the future. Daniel 3, the God who delivers or redeems his people. Daniel 4, King Nebuchadnezzar wanders around like eating grass, like an oxen, like a wild beast. Then he turns to heaven. His pride is abased. Nebuchadnezzar recognizes that God is ruler over all. So Daniel 4 is the God who rules over all, the God who's sovereign, the God who's true king. So in chapter 2, he's the true prophet. Chapter 3, he's the priest. Chapter 4, he's the king. Chapter 2, he is the revealer. Chapter 3, he is the redeemer. In chapter 4, he's the ruler. We come to chapter 5. In chapter 5, we see Belshazzar on his last night. Judgment hangs over the nation of Babylon. It has crossed the boundary of God's mercy. It has filled up the cup of its iniquity. And the judgments of God fall. You know, there are those people that say, you know, God is love. He'll never destroy sin, etc. God is love. First John 4, 8, God is love. But love has two sides to it. There's the side of mercy and grace and the side of justice. If God would allow sin to go on forever, that would not be just. And love is just. Love is fair. And so in the destruction of Babylon, we see God's appeal to Babylon. Daniel had been in that nation for years, over 60 years. He had been giving God's call to that nation, just like Noah gave God's call for 120 years. And uh, the Babylonians, by and large, rejected the call of God, and judgment fell. So in our world today, God has a message going out to prepare the world for the coming of Jesus. As Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. Then shall the end come. So Jesus will not return until every human being on planet Earth has had some intelligent possibility to accept his love and respond to his grace. Now, of course, he's working on human hearts through his Holy Spirit, drawing people to himself. He's the light that lights everybody in, that comes into the world. He also is working through the providences of God. The, he's arranging circumstances in our life. He is also working through the beauties of nature. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glories of God. And day unto day under his speech, night unto night under his knowledge. Romans 1 talks about the fact that even the heathen can, under, can, can sense the majesty of God through nature. So God is doing everything he can through nature, through his providences, through his Holy Spirit, through his written word. He's doing everything he can to win everybody he can. But he respects freedom of choice, and the decree will go forth one day, he that is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still, and he that is unrighteous, let him be unrighteous still, and he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. So the decree one day will go forth, judgment will fall. Now we come with that background. So did you get it? The first five chapters, I think you've memorized them, haven't you? 
Daniel 1, the God who turns defeat into victory. Daniel 2, the God who reveals the future. Daniel 3, the God who delivers his people. Daniel 4, the God who rules over all. Daniel 5, the God of justice and judgment. Now we come to the Daniel chapter 6. And Daniel chapter 6 is the end of the uh, historical section of the book of Daniel. Starting next week, we go into the prophetic section of the book of Daniel that deals with end events. You don't want to miss that, of course. Daniel 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius, so the Medes and Persians conquered the Babylonians at the end of chapter 5. At the end of chapter 5, that mysterious hand writes upon the wall, many, many tackle you for us, and thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. You come now to Daniel 6. Medes and Persians have overcome the Babylonians. Darius is the king of the Medes, Cyrus of the Persians. So it pleased Darius, that's the king of the Medes, verse 1, Daniel 6, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, that's princes, to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Verse 3, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So let's think about this. Here you have King Darius. Here's the organizational chart. You have King Darius. Below King Darius, you have three governors. They report directly to the king. Then you have these 120 princes that have different responsibility in the empire. Now, I want you to think about this. When one nation overthrows another nation, the prime minister of the nation that's been overthrown is not promoted to be prime minister of the nation that overthrows them. There was something in Daniel that Darius saw. He saw, the Bible says, an excellent spirit. He saw in Daniel a man of integrity. He saw in Daniel a man that would not siphon off the revenues that were coming in. So each of these 120 princes were responsible to govern for the king, but they were responsible for collecting the revenues, the taxes and other revenues from each of these provinces. When those revenues came in, they would be counted by these three governors and then go on to the king. If these governors were dishonest, they could be siphoning off, they could be stealing from the king, embezzling his money. And so the king knew he had to put Daniel there. He saw in Daniel a man of integrity, a man of honesty. I remember reading in Greek philosophy about Diogenes, and Diogenes walked through the streets of Athens with a candle in his hand. And somebody said, it was that dark night. He said, what are you looking for? And he said, I'm looking for an honest man. Honest men and women always rise to the top. God blesses them abundantly. We may have some setbacks if we're honest, but God honors. God says, them that honor me, I will honor. And so here, the Darius recognized in Daniel something special. But the governors weren't too happy about that. In verse 4, so the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. I'm interested in this phrase, he was faithful. Daniel was faithful. Faithful to whom? Faithful to God. 
he determined in his heart to do nothing that would displease God. You remember what it said of Jesus, John 8, verse 29? Jesus said, I always do those things that please him. So Jesus made a decision in every aspect of his life to be faithful to the Father. Daniel made that decision. He was faithful. Faithful to what? To whom? To God. Faithful to what? To the truths of Scripture. Daniel would not violate the truths of Scripture. He would not bow to social pressure. He could not be bought or sold. Reminds me of a statement that I read, the greatest want of the world is the want of men or women who cannot be bought or sold. Whose, whose commitment to God is stalwart. The greatest one of the world is the one of men and women who can't be bought or sold. Somebody said everybody has their price. That's not true. Daniel did not have his price. He would not sell out cheap for the pleasures of this world. Daniel was faithful. Faithful to God, faithful to divine truth. So these uh, three men meet. That is something that I want you to see here, and I call it the, uh, the cascade of evil, the steps down on the pathway of perdition. There are four steps that these men take. First, they allow jealousy to fester in their hearts. Second, they begin to scheme. Oh, secondly, is they, they, they enter into deceit. So it's first jealousy, then it's deceit. And jealousy leads them to lie to the king, and you'll see that. Then they begin to scheme of how they can get rid of Daniel, and ultimately they are ready to commit murder. So there's jealousy, deceit, scheming, and murder. Let's look at that. See, jealousy brings forth the fruit of deceit. Deceit brings forth the fruit of scheming to get rid of the one who you uh, want, to, want to destroy. And the ultimate result of that is murder. Let's look at those things, starting with Daniel 6. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they couldn't find any charge. Why? They're jealous. Verse 5, then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of God. They're very jealous. So they go into the king with a plan. And what's their plan? They say, verse 7, all the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statue and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. All the governors of the kingdom and the administrators and satraps have met to establish a royal decree that, that, that if you don't if you worship any other god, you're going to be thrown in, in a den of lions. Look, that's a bold-faced lie. That's totally dishonest. It's falsehood. Why? They say all the governors of the kingdom have met. And the administrators, did all the governors meet? Certainly not. Daniel did not meet with them. They didn't have Daniel's input from this. So this is, this is a lie. So what do they do? Verse 8, they scheme. So they, they, jealousy has led to deceit. Deceit is leading to scheming. Verse 8, now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed. So they're scheming. We want to get rid of Daniel, but we're not going to tell the king, according to the law of the Medes and Persians. Therefore, king, sign the decree. Therefore, he signed a death decree for Daniel. 
Now, one of the things that we want to study about tonight is how the human heart works and how the devil attempts to just get rooted in the human heart so that things that we ourselves didn't know were there uh, surface and that they're lurking there and they came out at the right time. Keep your finger here in Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to go over to Hebrews chapter 12. The devil is a great schemer. The devil reveals, the devil plants things in the human heart, and then those things come out at the right time. You know, I've heard somebody say to me, oh, this person made me angry. No, they didn't make you angry. Your angry words came out because there was anger in your heart. Uh, if there was no anger in your heart, those angry words would not have come out. Some people say, oh, um, everybody's doing it, so therefore, therefore I did it too. No, that desire was in your heart, and that desire was manifest in your actions. So look what Scripture says. For, uh, Hebrews 12, verse 14 and 15. Pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking diligently lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, by this many will be defiled. So the root of bitterness is there all the time, but it springs up, and that root of bitterness springs up in envy. That root of bitterness springs up in jealousy. That root of bitterness that springs up in envy and jealousy leads to deceit, and that deceit leads to scheming, and that can ultimately lead to the do away with the one who's the enemy. So there's roots produce fruits. Rather, roots produce shoots, and shoots produce fruits. So there are two kinds of fruits. Galatians chapter 5. There are the fruits of the spirit, and there are the evil fruits of, 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 of satanic, the, the works of the flesh, the Bible calls them, the fruits of the spirit and the works of the flesh. So Galatians chapter 5. When the Spirit of God fills our heart, he roots out bitterness, he roots out envy, he roots out jealousy, he roots out lust, he roots out intemperance when the Spirit of God fills our heart. Uh, Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, grace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So the fruits of the Spirit are the positive character qualities of love and joy and peace and long-suffering. But there are, there's another aspect too, verse 24. Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the passions of it. Because in verse 19 of Galatians 5, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. They're adultery and fornication and uncleanness and licentiousness and idolatry and sorcery and hatred and contentions and jealousies. Wait, the fruit of the flesh is what? Jealousy. So the governors had the fruits of the flesh, jealousy that led to deceit, that led to scheming, that led to murder. That was a fruit of the flesh. Daniel was faithful. And what did he have? The fruits of the spirit. Love and joy and peace reigned in Daniel's heart. What is the lesson for us in all this? What's the lesson for us? The lesson for us 
is to search our own hearts. You remember what David prayed, search me, O God, and try me to see if there's any wicked thing in me. We pray, God, is there any root in my heart that I have not surrendered to you? Is there any root deep within me that needs to be rooted out by the Holy Spirit so that the fruits of the Spirit can be manifest in my life. Daniel knew that if he gave up his prayer life, he would give up his relationship with God. So we go down now to the death decree's been passed, Daniel 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, so he knew it was signed. Daniel knew that. He knew the writing was signed. He went home. And in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he wasn't hiding that. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom very early. Daniel's prayer life was not spasmodic. It was not something he did today and let go tomorrow. He knew the writing was signed. But there are times when, as the Bible says in Acts chapter 5, you ought to obey God rather than men. Civil government has legitimate authority but it does not have authority to pressure and force us to violate the law of God. It does not have that authority. And so here, the scripture says that Daniel would not violate his conscience. He would not violate the law of the living God. Daniel knew that the writing was signed and he went home. In his upper room, he knelt down on his knees three times a day and he prays. And he's seeking God And these men, you know, I can almost see it in my mind. Daniel, faithful to God. Daniel, stalwart. Daniel, courageous. His face shines with the glory of God. He kneels by his window and prays. And then I see these men crawling on their hands and knees, hiding behind bushes, looking from behind trees, looking up in Daniel's window saying, he's praying, he's praying, he's praying, we got him now. And they run back to the king in their false excitement. These men assembled, they found Daniel praying, verse 11, making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king said, yeah, it's true. The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. They answered, then Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, does not show you due respect or for the decree that you've signed. He makes petition three times a day. So the argument that they use is that Daniel's relationship to God was not showing the king due respect, that Daniel was an outlier He was one that didn't go along with the laws of the kingdom. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. Why? He saw he had been duped. He saw that he had been tricked. He saw he had been fooled. And he was greatly displeased with himself. He wanted to deliver Daniel. And so he asks his lawyers and attorneys and his key men to find out if there's any way the law could be changed. And they say, there's no way. Verse 15, then these men approached the king and said to the king, know, O king, that it's the law of the Medes and Persians, 
that no decree or statue which the king establishes can be changed. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But notice what the king says. Your God, whom you serve continually, I love the word continually, he'll deliver you. Stone was brought and laid in the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of the Lord, so that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. I can just imagine it. The king goes into his palace. His servants want to fan him. No, not tonight. He goes to his royal room. He wants to be alone. The servants bring him food on platters. There's fruits and meats and all other kinds of food that Darius the king would eat. Daniel, of course, wouldn't eat those. He had purpose in his heart not to. The king says, no, no food tonight. His musicians want to play sweet music for him to sleep. No music tonight. When you violate your conscience and you're troubled within, you can't sleep. When you do right, when you do wrong, rather, when you know to do right, your stomach is in knots and your head's pounding. There's something about not living in harmony with God's will and doing wrong that creates a dis-ease. It also creates disease, but a dis-ease. You're, you're, you're not at ease. Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever had it? When I, before I became, I was just becoming a Christian, studying the Bible, working on a golf course, actually. I was 17 years old and just, just beginning to read the Bible, just developing a sense of a spiritual conscience. And I remember I had a break at the golf course and a friend of mine went and I walked down to eat at a little restaurant not far from that golf course. The restaurant was packed. We ate our lunch, had a sandwich and something. And my friend said, hey, Mark, yeah, there's a lot of people here. Let's, let's walk out. We don't have to pay. So we quickly walked out. I'll tell you something. I, just, I was just becoming a Christian. I knew that was wrong. All that afternoon, I'm working at the golf course. Four hours. They're the longest four hours. I think one of the longest four hours of my life. All of a sudden, the spirit kept convicting me. You did wrong. You did wrong. I mean, my conscience was so troubling me. When I got off working at the golf course, I immediately ran back to the restaurant, went to the server. I said, you know, and the cashier, you know, I I, I walked out today. I, I didn't pay. But here's my money. Gave my money back. And I'll tell you, when I walked out of that restaurant, it was like a big load off my shoulders. Why? Because I had done wrong. And God impressed me by his Holy Spirit to do right. When you live in harmony with God's will and make tough decisions to serve God, even if, even if those decisions are very difficult, it brings you peace. But when you compromise your integrity, when you violate your moral conscience, when you don't live in harmony with God's will and you know it, you have the King Darius's experience. He couldn't sleep all night. His stomach is in nuts. He's troubled. But yet, think about Daniel that night. I imagine Daniel in the lion's den. The lions just lie down there. And Daniel puts his head on some big cat and goes to sleep. The king is in a multi-million dollar palace with the best orchestras in the world, anything he wants to eat. 
and he's there in his silk pajamas. I don't know about that. He's there in his pajamas. He's there between the covers on this amazing bed, and he can't sleep. And Daniel is in some dirty, stinky, smelly lion's den with his head on some big cat, falls asleep all night. You know, what does that tell me? It tells me it's not what's around you that gives you peace, but it's what's inside of you. The king the next morning is so troubled that he gets up early, verse 19. Then the king rose early in the morning, and he went to haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out, lamenting the voice to Daniel, with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke to Daniel, said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then the king said, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel. Shut the lion's mouth so that they have not heard me, hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also I have done no wrong before you, O king. Daniel says, king, my God's son sent his angel. When we do right, because it is right, God sends angels to bring answers to our prayers. And what's the formula for a miracle? The formula for a miracle is this. Faith plus praise plus difficulty equals a miracle. Faith plus praise plus difficulty equals a miracle. For example, you think of the Apostle Paul in Philippi. He's arrested. He's thrown in prison. What happens? They sing praises till midnight. They have faith to believe. They praise God. So they're singing praises. They are praying. And as they have faith and praise and face difficulty, God works a miracle. What happens? The prison falls down and, uh, and the, the Paul preaches to the Philippian jailer. He's converted. His household's converted. See, we're in a battle, a battle between good and evil. And the devil's going to do everything he can to bring discouragement. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. But God will at times bring us into difficulty so he can manifest his hand and work a miracle. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're looking there at Ephesians 6, verse 12 and onward. Ephesians 6, 12 and onward. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. So Daniel wasn't wrestling against flesh and blood. It was the devil that had prompted those governors to pass that decree, to influence the king to pass the decree. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand with the, with your having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, which will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked ones, the helmet of salvation. Praying always, verse 18, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Now notice, what the Lord is saying to us is this. Just like Daniel, we are in a battle. 
that battle is going to intensify as we approach the last days of Earth's history and as we approach the time of the end. Things are not going to get easier. They are going to become more difficult. But as time becomes more difficult, we will be led to deeper faith. We'll be led to deeper confidence in God. We'll be led to a richer, fuller experience of trust with God. Our prayer life will deepen. Our faith will broaden. Our steadfast resolve will become stronger in the light of the challenges that we face as we trust God. Now, back to Daniel chapter 6. Back to Daniel chapter 6. One thing that Daniel did is Daniel trusted God in a time of difficulty, in a time of challenge. Now, it's interesting, too, to me that um, it says in verse 23, verse 23, Daniel 6, then the king was exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den with no injury. Now, what happened in verse 24? The king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they were cast into the den of lions. The lions overpowered them, broke all their bones. So those very men, those very men who wanted Daniel thrown were thrown in. Now, there's a little troubling passage there. It says they cast them into the den of lions, and them and their children and their wives. The, the, so children, this is not young babies, probably teenage kids, the, the word for children there. Why would their wife and kids be thrown in? My guess is, God is a God of love. That's not a guess. That's a fact. But here's my guess is, I can't prove this, but God is not going to punish wives and children, wives and teenagers for something that the father did. He's not going to do that. So we know that. The sins of the wicked are upon the wicked. But if that wife is cooperating with her husband because she too is jealous and she desires to for her husband to get more money and she's colluding with him, if these kids are adult kids and they're colluding as well. So the whole, if there is this conspiracy against Daniel that the family had, then it's justifiable to throw them into the den of lions. But certainly, certainly, see, when God is not going to throw these people in if they are not participating in the problem. When you come to difficult passages in the Bible, you evaluate the passages in the light of God's character. And God, we know, is a God of love. We also know that God is a God of justice. We also know that God is a God of fairness. It would be totally unfair to throw those God, those guys' wives in if they were not participating in the scheme to do away with Daniel. So that's the way I take a look at this passage. Now, there's something else in the passage. I'd like you to take your Bible and turn to Galatians 6 and verse 9. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Galatians 6, 9 uh, says this. It says, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Back up to verse 7 in Galatians 6. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever man sows, 
that he will also reap. There's a law of the universe of sowing and reaping. If you sow violence, you'll receive violence. If you sow anger, you're going to receive anger. There's the law of sowing and reaping. If you sow dishonesty, dishonesty will come back upon you. Whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. But if you sow kindness, you're going to reap kindness. If you sow goodness, you're going to reap goodness. If you sow patience, you're going to reap patience. These men reaped what they sowed. And so in our life, it can be true in so many areas of life. Generally speaking, if you sow good health habits, you're going to, you're going to reap good health. Now, I recognize that at times there are environmental factors we cannot control. I understand that. But even in spite of that, if you make positive choices in the area of your health, those choices will be blessed and you'll be better off than if you didn't make those choices. So we sow, we reap what we sow very often. Now, incidentally, often we reap more than we sow. That's true with evil too. For example, here's a person that gets drunk. They sow intemperance. They go out in a car, they hit somebody, get in a car accident and kill that person, they're reaping a lot more than they sow because they're going to spend the rest of their life in, in jail. That They're reaping a lot more than one or two or three glasses of alcohol, whatever that is. Um, so we, we, we reap a lot more than we sow. Um, no farmer is going to sow one grain of kernel of, of corn and expect uh, one kernel to come back. You're going to, you're going to reap a lot more than that from one kernel of corn. If you sow goodness, you're going to reap a lot more than you sow. You sow kindness, you're going to reap a lot more than you sow. You sow good health habits, you're going to reap a lot more than you sow. When we sow, we reap in kind, but not in quantity. Did you get that? We reap in kind, but not in quantity. When we sow for Jesus, when we sow for Jesus, we reap much, much more. And so, you sow evil, you're going to be reaping evil. But you say, Pastor, in the past life, I have sown some things that are not good. It is never too late to start to make good decisions. And the sooner you start to make those good decisions, the sooner better things are going to happen. So Daniel, thrown into the lion's den. Daniel, faithful to God. Daniel, trust God. The jealous, deceitful, scheming, murderous governors thrown into the lion's den and eaten up. But notice the king now says, it's my turn. And King Darius makes a decree. And he says, verse 25, to all peoples, patrons, and languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. The man of war says, peace. I'm going to make a decree in every dominion of my kingdom. Men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. This is what a heathen king writes. And these words come echoing down the centuries. These words come speaking to you and to me tonight. He's the living God. God's alive. He's steadfast forever. That's our God. He's steadfast. He's not fickle. He's not changeable. Steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. His dominion shall endure to the end. We live in a time of great uncertainty in America today and throughout the world. You've got great superpowers that have risen, the United States, Russia, China, 
You've got African nations that are emerging. You've got South and Inter-America, and there's turmoil there and turmoil around the world. Kingdoms rise and fall, but the kingdom of God shall stand forever. Verse 27, he delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? He delivers and rescues. That's our God. That's our God. He delivers and rescues. What challenge are you facing tonight? What difficulty lies before you? What habit in your life would you like to overcome? The one who delivered Daniel can deliver you. Remember what scripture says. It says, Satan walks around, 1 Peter 5, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But then the Lord says, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. God cares for the challenges you are facing right now. God cares for the trials that you are going through. God cares for the difficulties you are facing. God cares for the struggles that you have. And God's reaching out to you right now. God wants to touch you. He wants to give you strength to go on, hope for the future. He has an amazing plan for your life. He will not let the lion gobble you up. And although we fight against and wrestle against flesh and blood, we have a mighty Savior who's much mightier than them all. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, wherever we are tonight, we bow our heads to pray. And we thank you that from the stories of Daniel, we can find lessons for our lives. We thank you that no challenge is too great for you, no difficulty too large for you, no problem too great that you cannot unravel. So Lord, give us wisdom, we pray, to know how to face the future. Give us strength, give us courage. For somebody who may be struggling watching this program tonight, I pray that they would sense right now the touch of the Holy Spirit and they would sense your power in their life. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if this program has touched you tonight deeply and if God has blessed you, write to us. Let us know. You can contact us at info at hopelives365.com. That's info at hopelives365.com. If you have questions, write in again, info at hopelives365.com. But I pray that these programs will be more than intellectual knowledge that touches your head, but that they will move your heart and that you'll be drawn closer to Christ through them. Now, next week, we start the prophetic portion of the book of Daniel. We're going to look up into heaven. We're going to see the great nations that would rise and fall before coming of Jesus. We'll look at those. But then we'll look at God's final judgment. And uh, if you've been afraid of the judgment, tune in next week because we're going to show you that Jesus is going to stand for you in the judgment. And uh, he, the judgment will be in favor of the saints of God. We're going to look next week at the rise and fall of the destiny of nations and how the great controversy between good and evil, this battle between Christ and Satan, this cosmic struggle ends. So be sure to join us next week and... Uh, be blessed this week. God bless you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. 
If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.